T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 7 Night of the Ticket. It was a packed fight day yesterday ladies and gentlemen i was watching fights on my couch basically from like 4 p.m all the way through i think it went to like 1 15 yesterday is when dc ended the interviews it was a long day of fights a lot of exciting fights though and especially the championship fights um the the two main events on the boxing and the ufc side were absolutely fantastic. I'm going to get to UFC first because that's uh, that was later in the night, but we will get into Alexander Usyk's win over Anthony Joshua. We'll get to a full breakdown of it, but I do want to start off with UFC 266 that was headlined by Alexander Volkanovsky's unanimous decision victory over Brian Ortega. And for, you know, you might, if you woke up this morning and you looked at the scorecards from yesterday and you say, Hey, I didn't pay the $70 to watch this. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't look like I missed that great of a fight. You'd be wrong. Very deceptive scorecards. Um, Not that they were wrong. I'm just saying they were deceptive. It was a really, really exciting fight, especially from rounds three on. Um, It was tremendous because it looked like Brian Ortega was going to pull a victory out with one of his key submissions that he was going to Pull this out with something uh, absolutely fantastic. He had a mounted guillotine that was super tight. It looked like he was going to put Volkanovsky out. Volkanovsky pops out of it um, and then starts wailing on him. Then he throws up the triangle, gets the triangle on him. Looks like he's about to get him with that. Pops out of that and then just starts going to town on Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega is the, the, the horn sounds. Ortega is dead on the ground. It looks like he's got absolutely nothing left. Somehow they get his ass up. They get him onto the stool. Somehow they revive him. His eyes closed up from the beating that he took from Alexander Volkanovsky after nearly having it, uh, after nearly having a championship. Um, somehow Volkanovsky was able, I don't know how he was able to do it. It really was. Uh, an, an incredible, incredible feat by him. And I think, I, you know, I think that this performance for a lot of people, and, and DC said it best, you know, did people finally, do you think they'll finally put respect on your name? And I think that this definitely is going to be the fight that does that because of what Brian Ortega went through. I do think the Max Holloway sagas for him are a little bit weird. I think for the most part, people think he's probably should be 1-1. A lot of people think Max should be the champion right now. But I think a performance like this from Brian, uh, from from Alexander, excuse me, 
um, will eradicate a lot of that. He was an absolute monster. Comes through in that fourth round. Looks like he's nearly going to put Ortega away again. Somehow Ortega gets through the round. And, it, it, you know, he's, he's able to, to come out for round five. And round five, Ortega, I thought this was the only round that he won. Um, he really was was bringing it to Alexander Volkanovsky, who at this point probably has the fight in the bag. But to his credit, is standing there right in the center. So this is a super entertaining final round all the way until the final horn. And when it sounds like it was like 15 seconds left, there was one last late rally from from T-City, um, but it wasn't enough. And yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky, absolutely stupendous performance from him. He has been in uh, on an absolute tear in his UFC career, undefeated in his UFC tenure, and now has defended his championship twice with uh, just a really, really great fight against Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega showed tremendous guts, uh, gave him the equivalent to his best shot. I mean, that is uh, that is what he is going in there to execute. He is, uh, like he said, he was going in there looking to try and choke Alexander Volkanovsky out. Somehow, the uh, the great one was able to get out and really put a beating. I mean, he was winning the fight before that too, um, but it was you know it was a pretty sound rounds one and two from Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, really peppering Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega didn't really have those moments. It really everything really cranked up by round three, and I thought I, I think in a lot of ways saved the night because especially from the main card standpoint, the main card was a little bit lackluster. I thought it needed that thing that was that was going to be pretty memorable because everything else from tonight, um, pretty ho hum, pretty ho hum. We'll get into the rest of it, but uh, but for Volkanovski to get a performance like this, to go out there and I think earn the respect of uh, a lot of people in uh, not his greatness, but I think his you know his excitement level, just that signature fight that I think people are going to be like, man. I remember how crazy it was that that Volkanovski got the done a lot in the ways like you know uh, Israel Adesanya versus Calvin Gastelum just has people like man I remember that performance that was crazy uh, that's what that's what this was for for Volkanovski and for Brian Ortega look he you know they mentioned this turn that he's gone to the championship level twice he's gotten beaten up pretty bad I thought that this was a really good showing for him though he came super close in that third round he came super close in the fifth round too. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, I, I thought the fifth round, he, he definitely should have gotten the nod. I thought that Ortega took his foot off the gas a little bit. Um, but two of the judges gave him every single round. I thought it was a little bit too much. Uh, for me, I, I would have gone the, uh, the, uh, the 49, 46 route, but look, that's negligible. That's, uh, that doesn't really matter. The point is it was a, it was a really great fight. It was a great fight that was on the scorecards, very lopsided, but definitely had some moments of danger for the champion as he walks out of there with the belt around his waist. So really, really fun performance all around. And yeah, again, I really thought it saved the night. Um, Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. We'll run down the rest of the card for you. This was, uh, I mean, look, she's just on such another planet as it comes to this division. It's really not close. Lauren Murphy didn't really, I think as soon as she was getting hit up with a couple of those combinations and, just the speed advantage that Valentina brought forth in that fight. It just didn't look like Lauren Murphy wanted to be in there or really, or just thought she just didn't have a path to victory because there was just nowhere. Valentina was, uh, was pretty brutal. She ends up getting it done late in the fourth round, 
which I think is always good for her. You know, she uh, she's a finisher. She she likes to go out there and she likes to to cap it off, and she likes to go out there and she likes to uh, to really put a stamp on things. And for her in this division, she's been uh, she's been an absolute monster, man. She has been uh, the champion now for almost three years running. It'll be three years coming up in December. She's defended this belt now six times. Um, and it doesn't look like anybody's really close to touching her. And I, I know everybody for Valentina is going to go to the thing of, oh, she's, you know, we got to see her versus Amanda. Naturally is the place where everybody's going to go. They have a couple of fights. It's actually kind of similar to uh, what, what we have in the featherweight division between Volkanovski and Holloway in that Volkanovski's gotten the nod twice. They were super close fights. One of them probably a little bit more controversial than the other. But either way, Volkanovski is too. And it's not his fault. So is he expected that he has to just, you know, fight Max Holloway until he loses? I kind of feel that way with Amanda Nunes versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, I'm sure Valentina would love to run that one back. Is it really on Amanda that she has to go run that? Does she have to run it back until she loses the fight? So I don't know. In a lot of ways, I think it's okay for Valentina to have this run, have her own thing, have this thing that she's dominating. I think because, um, you know, women's mixed martial arts is still blossoming. It's still getting its its grounding as far as having all these fruitful divisions. You know, we're dying for competitive fights. And so you're making the two champs cross over again. But it's not like it's for a fresh matchup. So I am actually okay with, you know, Valentina Shevchenko not having to go and fight in the uh, to go back up and fight Amanda Nunes for whatever reason. I mean, I'm I'm cool with her being where she's at right now and and just kind of dominating because uh, she does she you know she does try and make it exciting. She does try and go for the finish. It's just people look so shell shocked when they're in there with her, man. Um, they do, and and it is at a point where we have Amanda, we have Valentina. They're both just a cut above, uh, and and it doesn't feel like they have anybody. Who can really touch him? The strawweight division is a little bit different. It feels a little bit more competitive. Definitely feels like you know Rose can be got, even though that she's also really good. But the other two, uh, it's is it, it's just it's just not the case. They're just they're on another level. The other one that we had uh, that really headlined tonight. This was a five round uh, special between Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz middleweight division. This was a big surprise this week. We got this as a a late change to the uh, to the whole shebang. That it was a middleweight fight. Um, Nick Diaz. It, it was a couple of things, you know. I saw some people did. Did you like this or did you? Were you disappointed in Nick Diaz? Kind of both. Uh, I think is the way that would go. I think that he gave a valiant, valiant effort in the uh, in the first round. He definitely looked like a guy who had not been fighting for six years. I think the thing that's interesting is you know there's such a. Uh, they always say like, that's a. Um, you know, that partnership of Nick and Nate, they're always known as being in tip-top shape, always have crazy cardio, all that type of stuff. Nick came out of that first round. He was throwing a ton of punches, a ton of punches. Probably could have been a little bit more economical, maybe, and maybe would have had a little bit more gas in the tank, but he kind of threw it all out there in the first round. I don't think that he really ever really hurt Robbie Lawler, but I think a lot of people were so amped up by how much he was throwing, how much volume was coming back at Robbie Lawler that they gave him the first round. I saw most people gave him 
10-9 in the first round. And then Robbie Lawler kind of settled down, hit him with some big shots in round two. The, I think the big turning point was when he hit him with a liver kick. Looked like Nick Diaz got hurt bad on that one, and that really slowed him up the rest of the way. And in round three, um, he uh, he just found his shots patiently and blasted him with a check, uh, a check right hook. Nick Diaz goes down. A little cubic confusion. Is he hurt? Or is he just done? And it turns out he got his nose broken. He's leaking all over the place. And uh, it was stopped. So I look, I thought that Nick Diaz did okay. He, uh, you know, like in most people's minds, he won the first round. Robbie Lawler had a really great time. It was great seeing Robbie Lawler that engaged. He was very fired up by the performance. It is crazy that Robbie's older than him um, just because of how much more active that he is. But. I thought that it was good seeing Robbie like that, and I thought that Nick gave us a really good effort in the first round. I think that was about it. Whoever made this a five-round fight, I mean, it didn't really end up mattering because it ended in the third round, but that being a a five-round fight was a bit crazy. I don't understand that. Um, Again, that kind of goes to the fact of, oh, you know, the Diaz brothers, they have crazy cardio. You always kind of want to see... How many rounds can they have where they're going to pull off some kind of crazy comeback or something like that? I don't know. It should have been a three-round fight. It didn't really matter because it did end in three rounds, but I just thought that was a bit strange um, that they would go that route. Uh, Curtis Blades won over my guy, Jorginho Rosenstrike. Uh, unanimous decision, 30-27. Kind of the most lackluster part of the night, I would say, as far as the main card was concerned. Um, for... Jarzinho, he's back in the loss column. He's kind of been uh, exchanging wins and losses now ever since losing to Francis Ngannou. So back to the drawing board for Jarzinho. For Curtis, you know, he's uh, kind of trying to get himself back into that mix. He obviously has the uh, the weird uh, place of, uh, of being uh, the guy who has lost to the reigning champ a couple of times, and he has lost to Derek Lewis. Everybody else he beats. Everybody else he beats. He's got a very good record, 15-3. and three. So he'll be back in that mix. And then Jessica Andrade really put it on Cynthia Calveo. She, took, uh, she, uh, she stopped the fight right before the end of the first round. Probably the fight of the night was Marab Dillashvili. Uh, his win over Marlon Marias. That fight was crazy, too. You want to talk about crazy comebacks. Marlon Marias looks like he had that one in the bag. And somehow Marab was able to get through that. Ends up on top. And it, it, it looked like Marlon Marias just, just kind of shot... His, uh, his gas tank, he didn't have anything left, and he ends up finishing the job on him. They probably had one of the rounds of the night. It was absolutely crazy. Um, Dan Hooker looked great tonight, getting back into the wind call for him. Much needed. Chris Dawkins had a great uh, knockout over Shamil Abdurakhimov. Um, yeah, there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of really, really exciting fights on the undercard. But, um, you know, overall... It was a uh, it was an interesting night. A lot of crazy comebacks, especially uh, especially Volkanovski popping out of that Brian Ortega submission. I think that that really I think was going to be the uh, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, I think it was important for Volkanovski's title reign to have a moment like that where people are like, "Dang, this guy's a gangster," and he certainly had that. You know, I, I think that him and T City. Having the you know all the all the trash talk that they had going into this and all the 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 bad blood that went into this, ultimately I think Volkanovski I think wanted to get something that was his I think uh, away from 
the Max Holloway controversy, let's call it, of his second fight. And, you know, a lot of people think that Max easily won that fight or definitely should have won that fight or walked out the champion. This is the way that you kind of let people forget that. Like, hey, how how crazy was that Brian Ortega fight that he won, though? And that's what that was. He, he really was, uh, for me, awesome, awesome night for him. Um, I guess the other big question that comes out of this one is the whole Nick Diaz. Does he fight again? I don't know. I don't really know what works for him. Jorge Masvidal was in the crowd. Um, I think they could definitely do that fight if that's something that interests. Um, I'm sure it would interest Masvidal. I think anybody who gets their opportunity to fight well, Nick Diaz would be happy about it. But I think that, yeah, he needs to fight somebody in the ilk of Robbie. And I think, you know, Jorge Masvidal could be that guy. I think that makes a little bit of sense, especially because I'm not quite sure where he stands right now in the welterweight division. Doesn't seem like him and Leon Edwards. Dana says, yes, that's what they want to work on. Leon doesn't seem too keen on it. But if that doesn't happen... I could see them pivoting this direction and him going, but I don't think, I don't know, man. I also wouldn't be surprised. Look, it was pretty clear as soon as you saw some of the, you look, for example, you saw what Brian Ortega went through tonight. It's a young man's game. And as soon as Nick got broken nose, he was done. He's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this. What am I doing? What am I doing? Which is fine. Um, but, the real question is like, okay, so what are we doing this for? You know, he's out here this week saying, oh, I should be fighting Kamaru Usman for the championships. Like, all right, well, clearly you very much should not be. And there's no real, usually the Diaz brothers, Diaz army, all that. They always have some kind of a spin they can put on it. Um, whether it be Nate Diaz almost knocking out Leon Edwards at the end of their fight off, you know, a real fight rules. That's a win. Um, his cut against Masvidal, oh, cut, he got saved, he was getting tired. You don't really have anything if you're Nick Diaz here. You got your nose busted open by Robbie Lawler and didn't want to continue. You know Mastas. So I don't think this spells out a grand future for Nick and much left for him, uh, but you never know. You never know. It's uh, If they find the right fight that makes sense for him, maybe he will be back. Well, we'll take a quick break here. That's our recap of UFC 266. When we come back, we will get into what went down in London yesterday between Alexander Usyk, your new heavyweight champion, beating Anthony Joshua. We'll recap it for you coming up next. Welcome back, everybody. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790. The ticket switch on over to the Sweet Science. little boxing for you as you had the heavyweight championship of the world on the line on Saturday afternoon for us down here in Miami. Anthony Joshua defending his belts against Alexander Usyk. And uh, we have a new champion. Alexander Usyk putting it on him, winning it by unanimous decision. 117-112 on one judge, 116-112 on the others, and 115-113 on what they would say is uh, the diciest of the scorecards. But look, they got it right. Um, That's the most important thing. Right guy won the fight, and it was a really, really great performance by Alexander Usyk, and a really good fight. I mean, it really, it didn't, it really didn't feel like it got that lopsided up until about, I would say, rounds 10, 11, 12. There was only one way that this thing was going. It looked, for the most part, it was a pretty seesaw fight. Alexander Usyk came into this thing, uh, and I think a lot of people thought that 
it was incumbent upon AJ. This was the big uh, theme of the of the uh, of the lead up. And and the way I thought it would probably go too is that you know AJ was going to impose his will a little bit more, um, not let a younger guy get get let not the smaller guy get into his kitchen. You know that's that's the problem that he had when he took on an Andrew Ruiz, an in shape Andrew Ruiz, who threw a ton of punches, and when he got in there, really bothered AJ. Didn't feel like he could deal with the hand speed, and we saw a lot of those issues in the same fight. And you know. As great as it was by AJ to come back and win that uh, Andrew Ruiz fight in Saudi Arabia, one of the things that I was disappointed with in that fight was I still didn't feel like, though we saw a better uh, a better boxing version of AJ, really what I wanted to see was a guy who was imposing his will. Like This is a guy who got knocked out by the the, the dudes doing the, the Snickers ad on, on a week's notice, and you know you come back with a full camp, and yes, you're in better shape, but... Never had that moment where you had that killer instinct like we saw him when he first attained the championship. And so this fight against Alexander Usyk, Usyk uh, really brought it to him early on in this fight. But I give AJ credit after the first three rounds, and I had him down 3-0. I thought that he did settle in. Now, I think part of that maybe had to do with Usyk was at such a blistering pace to start off this fight. He was not stopping moving. He was moving all over the place. The footwork was crazy. Um so I do think that he probably needed some rounds to, to temper that back a little bit. Now he'll tell you in the post fight, I didn't want to knock, you know, I didn't want to go for broke. My coaches told me to sell down a little bit. So maybe that was by design, but did feel like he let AJ into the fight a little bit. Like AJ did, I thought put together three straight rounds where he even things up after six. I didn't even fight after six. Um, but then I thought that Usyk really had such a huge, huge round in round seven, which I think really swung the fight in his direction really for the, for the final time. I think that, you know, once he got uh, his ground onto that, I thought that he uh, he found himself pretty much in the driver's seat. You know, just showed AJ, hey, those were some good shots. AJ probably had his best shot of the fight in around six, maybe the biggest shot of the fight up to that point. But Usyk ate it. He ate it and kept coming forward and then just had his best round. So I do think on some level that had to be a little bit demoralizing for Anthony Joshua that he hit that flush straight right hand and, and Usyk, kind of just ate it a little bit hurt maybe but um you know was able to withstand it and then all of a sudden just you know really flipped the fight on its head and that second half of the fight wasn't really close I mean AJ I thought maybe got one more in there um but Usyk was just bringing it with so much energy and you could just see that it was exhausting AJ to try and even keep up he had some moments it wasn't a you know I don't think it was a complete whitewashing of like um you know, he didn't belong in there, but I do think that the bigger moments certainly belong to Usyk. The better boxing belonged to Usyk. Um, you started seeing him shut, shut AJ's eye, which that's a big question about what his future is. How badly hurt is that eye? How bad is, is it going to affect him as far as, uh, his ability to get the rematch? What does it mean for this heavyweight division and all this type of stuff? But as far as, the size discrepancy, it definitely was noticeable. Look, I mean, Usyk had to take some risks to get in there. I think that the thing that was just very noticeable is that he felt like he had just a, a, a if you don't want to call it a speed advantage, uh, it just a just a tremendous boxing and movement advantage. Like he just felt like he had every angle in his repertoire. And AJ is just, you know, he really is just a straight shoot, straightforward fighter. He doesn't, you know, move side to side. He doesn't really improvise a lot. It's really a lot of it is just, 
you know, bear you down, see what he could do to set up that monster, uh, that monster right now. I actually thought some of the best, uh, and you would have maybe liked to have seen this a little bit more, is he had in the eighth round some really great body work. And you would have liked to see him probably go to that a little bit earlier. And, you know, it just wasn't the case. You know, it felt like he was always trying to set up for that big, big right hand. Um, and it just wasn't there enough for him. And they they both, he, listen, AJ had some big shots. I mean, you definitely saw that Usyk was wearing some of it when he got out of that there between, uh, you know, the marks under his eyes. Had a cut. I don't know if that was ended up if that was a butt because it was getting a little bit awkward there towards the end. But either way, had a gnarly cut on the inside of his eye, right, right above his nose, almost. And uh, you know, but the moment I thought of the fight was round twelve. You know, moment of the fight in just that he he comes out around eleven. He definitely has AJ in the mindset that AJ needs a knockdown. Probably, I thought needed a knockout where I had it on my scorecards at that point because I had Usyk up three at that point. But at least, and Roy Jones said this, a knockdown to maybe get a draw. Maybe somebody saw one of a, a round swing the other way, something like that. And instead, this is always interesting, when when the guy who needs the knock the knockdown really gets it put on him and almost gets stopped by Alexander Usyk, um, that shows you something. That that's That's the exclamation point that you were looking for. If you're if you're in the in the camp for Usyk and the performance that he had was just tremendous, and you know so much is made of the boxing. The boxing was great. I mean, it was. I mean, he showed tremendous movement. His head movement was just it was almost exhausting to watch at some points. The angles that he could come with, he was so much quicker than Anthony Joshua. Um, it, it was marvelous to watch. But I just thought also just just had the guts to go into the kitchen to really be in AJ's face the entire time. Um, took some risks for sure and took a, took some of his best shots. That stuff did not phase him. He was able to go out there and, and, and make a really big point to Anthony Joshua. And for him, all of the questions of, is he big enough for this division? Is he a big enough puncher for this division? You know, is he, is he going to rack up a lot of knockouts against these people? I don't know. I mean, look, if it was a, a 12 round fight that maybe would have had a little bit more, if he had a little bit more time, would that fight have been stopped? Maybe, maybe. I mean, AJ was up against those ropes. It was really, really dicey, and you saw what he was when he got to that corner. I mean, he hit the so Roy Jones was incensed by this that he went to the corner and plopped down on that stool. Uh, you know, in thinking that the judges may swing it. Look, the damage was done at that point. I think I think Anthony Joshua probably knew I wasn't the winner of that fight. Um, and for Usyk. He took some big shots from him. Um, you know, you think about the other guys in this division. You know, a guy who was there on the call today, Dillian White at one point. You know, Dillian hits very hard. Um, you know, but it feels like he would get exhausted facing a guy like Alexander Usyk. And then you think of a Deontay Wilder. Look, Deontay Wilder is a chance against anybody because he hits next level hard compared to these other guys. Uh, the interesting one is going to be if if he gets in there with Tyson Fury because now you have probably the two best skilled boxers and guys with the full repertoire, but you just have such a size discrepancy. We're talking about you know something like six inches. I don't want to. I wonder offhand what is the reach for both of these guys? Tyson Fury reach um, eighty five inches, and Usyk is. 78 inches so it's pretty significant we're talking a seven inch reach advantage for tyson fury um 
And Anthony, is it just for bleeps and giggles? What did he face tonight? Anthony Joshua Reach is 82 inches. So he's definitely going to have to go through bigger telephone poles as far as that's concerned if he goes in there with a with a Tyson Fury. But look, man, Tyson Fury, this is the thing that the heavyweight division, this is the thing with heavyweight boxing is now we're in a position right now where Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury, everybody thinks that he's going to absolutely smoke Deontay Wilder. I think that he's going to smoke Deontay Wilder, but Deontay Wilder has the great equalizer. He definitely does have, he has two Hail Marys in his gloves and he can go out there and he can win this fight. He can win the fight. He can win the fight. I mean, we have seen even in a fight against Tyson Fury where it seems like the, the boxing is greatly, greatly weighted on his side. Deontay still got to him and still put him on the canvas. So I do think it is possible. You can't rule that out yet. And the thing that is oh is a big difference between Deontay and Anthony Joshua. You could, you know, praise Anthony Joshua's boxing prowess and all that type of stuff. But Deontay's a killer. Like he will go out there and he will headhunt and he will go for broke and he will try and get the home run ball. Like that is that is his career to a T, no matter what. He knows how to to find where that where that fastball is and how to turn on it. Um, he's obviously got his hands full with a guy who really humiliated him the last time that he was in there with him. That really uh, set him into uh, almost a, a, a sports mental breakdown of like just coming up with every excuse in the book as to why he didn't win that fight. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't win. It doesn't mean he can't. All, all that being said, um, I don't think that he goes into this fight losing to Tyson Fury because he shook. I think he probably loses Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury just seems to have his number in the majority of the rounds that they've spent together. Um, but this is, a, this is a big reason why that judge's ruling of having this fight, it, it was a big one. And look, props to Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has taken some tough, tough fights. Um, he has... The, the opponent resume is definitely better than anybody else's in this division between Tyson's, between Deontay Wilder. Like, he has the best quality opponent schedule. So, the fact that he has blemishes on his record, look, you should, it's okay. Like, Anthony Joshua taking on tough challenges should be applauded. It's not something that should be mocked. Um, I do think that he has, he look, he is a flawed fighter. All of these guys are. They all are. Tyson maybe has the fewest flaws because he's the biggest and still maybe has the best boxing skill set. Um, but a little bit chinny. He's been put down by smaller guys before he talked about this this week in some interviews about like the idea that smaller guys give him trouble. You know, maybe, maybe Alexander Dusik gets between that, that huge reach and puts it on his chin and he puts him on the canvas. Who knows? I don't think it's, I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, Tony Bellew afterwards was saying that, that, that he thinks Dusik is the best boxer in the, uh, the division. There is no better boxer. And really, if you think about where he's coming from, being the undisputed cruiserweight champion, if he loses, it's he's right. It's probably not going to be because of his boxing skill set. He probably just has a size discrepancy that was just too big to bite off. But a lot of people thought that AJ, bigger man, bigger reach, 20 pounds on him. But uh, but he outworked him. He outworked him. He, uh, he hit him with bigger shots and had the bigger moments in this and it's uh it's it's a hell of a thing that uh those belts now uh now sit on Alexander Usyk. 
The interesting thing now is for AJ. Uh, all right, so the rematch clause, that's the other big thing that's out there. Uh, what, what to do with this? Okay, so th- should Anthony Joshua do the rematch? Of course he should, if he has the ability to. Um, the question is, you know, the question is, is, you know, is it smart to go back in there with Alexander Usyk after what he just did to you? Or do you kind of just let things play out? Um, and do you say, hey, maybe he goes in there and he fights Tyson Fury, beats him. And now I get the, re- you know, maybe I fight Deontay Wilder. Let's just say, for argument's sake, Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder. Then you have Usyk versus Joshua. Then do you have uh, Usyk versus Tyson Fury? Then you know, and they fight. AJ takes a little bit of time off, and then maybe he fights Deontay Wilder. Winner then goes on, and you know, maybe he fights. I mean, probably Wilder wouldn't fight Tyson Fury again because they've fought three times already. But um, is there some realm like that? Does he have a get-right fight against a, a Dillian White? Is Dillian White going to fight Tyson Fury? Um, I think that the thing that probably makes the most sense, and Eddie Hearn said this afterwards, is like Eddie Hearn didn't seem so keen on the re- the, the the rematch, but he has the clause. AJ is a competitor. I think he's going to want to go get his fight back. Now, how does he how does he go about getting that done the next time? I think he has to go back and, and, and invest in the body. I think that um, he has to get himself in a little bit better physical peak condition. The thing that he has a problem with this fight around that he didn't have with the Andy Ruiz fight is Andy let the spoils of being champion get to him. Went off the rails. He got really fat and just wasn't the same guy that was in there with Anthony Joshua. And I still, and Anthony still didn't put him away. You know, Anthony still didn't, still didn't beat him the way that Ruiz got the championships from AJ. Usyk's not going to do that. Dude's from Ukraine. You think he's going to let himself get fat? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. I think that he probably knows all the riches that are uh, uh, upon him and that are coming between an AJ rematch, a Tyson Fury undisputed fight, maybe a Deontay Wilder undisputed fight. All of those things um, are fun and should make him a ton of money. Should make him a ton of money. And by the way, hugely cool move that Vitaly Klitschko was there today. Um, you think back to the tally. First of all, there's great uh, symbiosis and all this type of stuff. The fact that um, AJ took the belts from Vladimir Klitschko in their epic fight, one of you know, really one of the great heavyweight championship fights. The fact that Vitaly Klitschko, you know, in a lot of minds was for for people the uncrowned king. Really had so much success against Lennox Lewis, but had that gnarly, gnarly cut and never really got a had it taken out of his hands to never get the the opportunity to fight for the championship. Lennox Lewis didn't fight again. Uh, he was done after that. And so for Ukraine to have a moment like this where they go and, you know, kind of beat the golden boy of British boxing uh, has to be hugely cool for him, hugely cool for that country. And very nice that you had that, that uh, you know, moment between them in the ring afterwards. But I think that he presents a lot of issues. A lot of the things that people had with Usyk as far as the questions of can he stick in this division? Well, he just he just stuck Anthony Joshua and in my mind beat him eight rounds to four. Um, 
and I think is definitely poised to have success against the likes of Deontay Wilder. And I think Tyson Fury too. He can, if, if, if I think he can give him some issues as well. You know, Tyson. Um, you know, Tyson's been shown to be vulnerable. He's had some great showings as of late, but it's mostly been against Deontay Wilder. So, you know, Otto Wallin got a little bit got a little bit dicey. Um, maybe you know, maybe somebody can get to him. And, and and maybe somebody with the talents of an Alexander Usyk can get it done. Um, I still lean Tyson Fury. Don't get me wrong. Like I'd still go with the Gypsy King to to be the man when it's all said and done to to probably end up being undisputed champion. But uh, I definitely think this is I, I I think this is a very interesting one for sure. I think this is a very 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 interesting uh, matchup between him. And if it ends up being Deontay Wilder, I think that one's interesting too. I think it's a it's a it's a hugely interesting thing because. Um, while AJ has shown a propensity to be a little bit gun shy from time to time, um, and, and not get his offense off enough, Deontay won't, you know, Deontay is going to be looking for that, for that sweet spot, the entire fight and is dangerous the entire fight. So congratulations to Alexander Usyk. That was a really, really thrilling fight. I really enjoyed it and, um, great performance by him. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, a couple of news items that we should get to. Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant. They had their launch press conference this week. And Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant got into a little uh, kerfuffle, little uh, little brouhaha, little, little, uh, little scuffle amongst... Uh, Amongst boxers at their launch press conference, it was a it was good, man. I think it's I think it's going to be a great thing for this fight, marketing wise, um, for a couple of reasons. I think that first of all, I think it introduced a lot of people to Caleb Plant. I think it got uh, a lot of press this week for a busy week for it being the NFL, um, for Conor McGregor having a terrible first pitch this week. I, you know, for that to grab some headlines, I think it was a big a busy fight week. Uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant getting you know mainstream news on ESPN, I thought was a big deal, and I think is uh, is going to spell good things for this fight. I think that Caleb Plant has played this beautifully from a marketing standpoint. You know, one of the things that really I thought made the Triple G versus Canelo second fight so compelling is these guys really hated each other for that matchup. It really fueled what I thought was a great fight promotion. And, you know, with Gennady, it's not like you have a guy who's doing a ton of media who like who speaks great English to all these interviews. And Canelo is doing no interviews in English at this point. Well, this is a little bit different. I mean, this is you have a guy in Caleb Plant who is very charismatic, very I don't give a bleep, um, not going to be a punk about some certain things. Um, and so he has a situation where. All right, he them uh, Canelo and Caleb. They're calling each other mother bleepers. Canelo shoves him, comes back, gives him a little uh, Tennessee slap. Then Canelo uh, gets him with a little counter shot, gets his eye gashed open. And it was funny because there was so many angles when it first happened. It looked like oh man, he completely whiffed and he got cut open. It was a bad look for Caleb Plant. But if you really think about it, one he did end up getting Canelo with the shot. We did see it. And the and and this has really sparked interest in this matchup. Everybody's asking about it. I was getting asked in the hallway at the studio about it. That's huge to have a a, a, a fight in boxing right now. That is just like oh, I'm excited to see this. You know, now look, 
I still stand by my thoughts. I do think that Caleb Plant is biting off a little bit more than he can chew. I do think that this is a huge step up in competition class for him. Uh, I realize that he is, you know, the the last standing piece of Canelo being undisputed. So he obviously is a really quality opponent. I've seen him box live. I like Caleb Plant. We've had him on the show. Um, and I do think that he has some skills that can bother Canelo. I think that you know the way that he moves, you know, being uh, being that guy who is a little bit more skill uh, with, with its uh, with his skill set oriented. Um, we've seen some of these guys bother Canelo Alvarez, and I do think that Caleb's got some of that stuff. It's not enough for me to pick him because I just think it's just too big of a, a leap up. But I do like the fact that he is standing his ground. I do like the fact that he is bringing. Uh, some attitude to this, and we're getting to see you know the nasty side out of Canelo Alvarez, calling him a mother bleeper. Don't talk about my mom like that. Um, you know, Canelo's doing interviews about it on ESPN. He's giving voice to his fight, giving voice to his feelings. I love all of that. I think it's going to be huge for this fight promotion. I think it's going to make it really, really big, a lot bigger than I think people thought it could be. People probably thought, ah, do people really care about this fight? I think Caleb Plant got people to care about this fight. He's going very hard in the paint with the PED stuff. We know that riles up Canelo Alvarez. It gets his whole camp involved. It's even gotten Ryan Garcia involved. Ryan Garcia's got a great social media presence. I really think that this is going to touch a lot of buttons and is going to lead to a big, big fight promotion for these guys. So good on them this week. Um, thankfully, nobody got hurt. Some people will go, oh, you know, what if, uh, what if Caleb Plant, you know, what if that cut was a lot worse? I'm with you. Yeah. What if it was a lot worse, but it wasn't. And ultimately I think it just uh, leans into, Hey, it was a really, really big night. It was a really big night and, uh, or a really big week for them. And I do think that it uh, lends to this. This could be a pretty successful box office, uh, box office hit for them. Um, The other piece of news that happened this week, which was kind of a bummer to see. So I was excited to talk this week about, John Bones Jones having some really positive stuff to say about his comeback. You know, John came out this week and it said that he and Dana are in a good spot, that it seems like he is going to be coming back in the second quarter of 2022 and that we would see him pretty soon, that we would see him probably fighting the winner of Cyril Gan versus Francis Ngannou for the championship or maybe Stipe that that it seemed like his heavyweight debut was going to be coming up very very soon then we get the news on Friday that he's arrested again and he got arrested in Las Vegas on what's being called a battery domestic violence charge you know it's it sucks it sucks to see this he hasn't I think seen a judge quite yet I think he was supposed to see one on Saturday, but something delayed it. Dana White said about it, his quote, let's see how this legally plays out for him, where it ends up going. It's hard to bring this guy to Las Vegas for any reason. The city is not good for John Jones, and here we are. It's not even shocking to anyone anymore. When we bring him out here, it's almost expected. You can't give him in Las Vegas for less than 12 hours, induct him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was in the Hall of, he, by the way, he was uh, in Las Vegas this week because his fight with Alexander uh, Gustafsson was, uh, was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, into their fight wing. Uh, Dana White also said the guy has a lot of demons. Is it really shocking anymore? It's become not shocking. It's like, oh, he's in Vegas again. What's going to happen? 
I'm not going to even speculate on that though. I, I really don't want to speculate on that because um, we'll wait until the arrest report comes out. The details come out. He goes before a judge, all that type of stuff. But it's just, you, you know, this should be a celebratory week. You know, even with all the bad stuff that John has, a lot of people love watching him fight and it should be a celebratory week that maybe the best to ever do it is going to go into the octagon again and is going to be fighting for the heavyweight title again. And instead, we're once again talking about off the or out of the out of the cage type of stuff with John Jones. And how many times can we do this with him where it's just like, you know, and again, it's not I don't think this will end up being something that affects him in a way where. He's not going to get to fight. Uh, I don't know that yet. Again, we got to wait and see how things play out. But it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to see that a guy like this is uh, still just getting caught up. You know, the older he gets, you know, you would think the wiser he gets, but somehow still always ends up in these uh, in these awful situations. It's 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 wild. So we'll keep you up to date on it. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to be the, uh, the final outcome of that with, uh, with John bones Jones, but certainly if there's any major updates. We'll, uh, we'll have reaction to it here on the show. And then, uh, and then finally in the world of celebrity boxing, Jake Paul, he had his, uh, final call out of Tommy Fury. He offered Tommy Fury a million dollars. Uh, I heard uh, Tyson Fury on an interview this week where he was like, uh, I think it was with Chris Mannix where he said that, he thinks it's uh it's a slap in the face almost that a million dollars uh Tommy Fury is getting offered for this. I think that's crazy to me. Um because for a couple of reasons. I do think that the fight will do good in the UK with Tommy Fury on it. I tell you what, my wife and I we love that Love Island. We love it. We love that Love Island with him and Molly May. What a great show. Um but but the thing that's that's forgotten in all of this is if you're Tommy Fury this is five professional fights in do you know how many fighters are making a million dollars five professional fights in? not many not many and the idea that you have the opportunity to go beat Jake Paul then I would imagine you'd be able to get an even bigger purse um, for me it's crazy not to take that it's crazy uh, I don't know maybe you can negotiate some other back end with uh with uh with showtime but for a guarantee i don't know man i feel like that's a that's a pretty good deal if you're tommy fury um unless you're just genuinely worried that you can't beat the guy and that's uh and and so you you kind of go behind this guys of oh your your paycheck is is disrespectful i don't know i saw that tyron willie this week was saying he was gonna get the tattoo dude you gotta let that go just just they're so clearly not interested in fighting you again it's time to move on from it. I don't know where Tyron Fear uh Tyron Woodley goes from here with this, quite frankly. But yeah, uh Jake Paul uh gave like this whole manifesto about why this is his last offer to Tyson uh to Tommy Fury, excuse me, uh to fight him again. I think you should do it. You know, I think that this is uh I think it's a smart move for Tommy Fury. I think it puts him on the map. I think people will know the name even more in the boxing landscape. I think it's uh I think it's a pretty good starting point for his boxing career and uh and and getting things going. If you're the guy who can shut up Jake Paul, I mean you're a professional boxer, you're a fury. I feel like it's uh I feel like it's a good deal. But we'll see. The the, the Fury family uh finds it to be uh very disrespectful in that regard. 
That's our show for this week, everybody. You missed any of it, download the podcast on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or on Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. You guys can get Tobin's Fight Show. Subscribe there, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.